You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Happy Monday night kicking off. The week with Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. The Bills open training camp this week. So we have a jam-packed week of shows. We're starting it out right here tonight on Monday night with a very special one. This is one we've been, Ryan, we've been trying to put this together for months. Mike Taylor uh, won the Billboard contest months and months ago where you had to go to the Billboard, do a little selfie, send it in. And the, the grand prize was an episode co-hosting on the Shout Football Podcast. We finally put it together. You're back from vacation. What is up, Mike? Welcome into the Shout Show. Well, I appreciate you guys. You know, we've had, you know, different reasons for having to reschedule, but it's all been worth it. So it's it's great to be with you guys and looking forward to chatting a little football in front of the uh, start of the full training camp on Sunday. So. Ryan, do you want to take everybody through our hellacious week that we got coming up for, you know, all Bills content all the time? Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, one of three podcasts, technically four, uh, because we have one on Sunday as well. But as I say, three this week, we have tonight's show. Uh, Wednesday, our staple show that, that we always do. We have two guests lined up. I'll let you get a little bit more into that, Matt, here in a minute. And then Friday, we will be at Resurgence Brewery, 8 p.m., uh, live podcast from there. I believe it's the kickoff of Bill's Appreciation Weekend at Resurgence, uh, something that we've had in the works there for a little bit. Matt put out a little teaser on social media today, uh, a, a T-shirt that uh, Mike is actually wearing right now. You have your chance to win one there at Resurgence Brewery on Friday night. And then Sunday, once the first training camp practices in the books, we'll get back together, uh, Matt and myself, and we will have our fourth show of the, you know, of, of the week and the start of training camp. So just to clarify, I did actually pay for my shirts. Uh, I didn't get gifted <laughs> one. I bought it before I found out about this uh, the thing on Friday with you guys with the uh, live show. We got a jam-packed week, though. So wherever you are in the U.S., you know, globally, wherever you watch the show, we're going to have you covered all week long. That Wednesday show, it's going to be super fun. We're kicking things off probably at about 830 uh, Jenna Cottrell from Wham in Rochester. She's going to join us, kind of help us look at you know training camp a little bit, but also the return to Rochester, you know Pittsburgh at uh, Saint. Is it Saint John Fisher? Saint John, it is Saint John, John Fisher. Fisher University. University. That was the big the big change. I'm trying to make sure that I say it right every time. She'll come on for that part of the show, and then at nine o'clock, we're going to have a special like longer show with Andrew Galarno, who's the food editor at the Buffalo News. Every year, I get. I'm not kidding. 20 DMs, people asking me like, I'm coming to Buffalo for the game. You know, sometimes opposing teams, fan bases, where do I go eat? What are all the places to go? So we are going to take a deep dive into the Buffalo culinary scene. What are, you know, have to have it when you're coming into town for a Bills game. And then we can kind of point everybody to that episode in the future. But Ryan, start us off here because one of the big topics I want to, I want to do is, the hype train that's that's kind of around the Bills right now. It's it hasn't been like this, this ferocious, you know, probably even in the Super Bowl years. Maybe. I mean, you know, I, I go back that far, but you know, it, it's hard to remember if it was this big because there was no social media back then. So right now, this is, you know, the Bills are at the center of the NFL world. When people are talking about Super Bowl contenders, usually the Bills are the first team that people mention. And speaking of Super Bowl contenders, you know value home centers is always at the top of the list when you're talking about 
big time contenders. They're just, they're just a place to be. Customers can shop anytime at valuehomecenters.com, buy online, pick up today, or find a huge selection of products that ship to your local store from their warehouse for free. Ryan, are, is the hype train, does it, should it scare you if you're a Bills fan? I don't know if it should scare you. I understand for the fans that are, that say that in the comments, it, it's scaring me. The hype is a little bit. Uh, no Super Bowl equals devastation, I see here. But, you know, this is what happens when you build up a roster and you have a, a team that has all the talent in the world on both sides of the ball, a team that uh, was very close to being in the AFC Championship game for two years in a row, had, you know, some blunders not happened late in that game against Kansas City, but with this talent, like you said, it, it kind of compares back to the Super Bowl years, but the Super Bowl years, it was nice for the players, uh, most likely because there was no social media. But anytime you turn on ESPN back in those days, stories were all about the Bills at, at the top of the hour and the AFC being the dominant team there. Sports Illustrated magazine, any football magazines you may have subscribed to back then, uh, always big national stories on Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas. Uh, Bruce Smith and the bunch. And they even had the national media commercials to a certain extent, too. So, you know, Bills fans have been there before. And obviously, uh, the teams of the early 90s, they went four years in a row. They weren't able to actually win one. Uh, But I I feel like this team right now, they have the talent. They're not going to let it get to their heads. And I think this year they're actually ready, Matt to be the hunted where uh, I think a little bit last year at times, you know, they, they had that bullseye on their backs and they weren't prepared for that with the, the opposing teams giving the, their best punch, so to speak. What about you, Mike? You got the NFL jam uh, shirt on. Uh, so obviously I can't remember was NFL jam actually, was it kind of like a NFL blitz style game or no? I, th- I think what they've done with th- this company, th- what they did was they just took like the NBA jam concept and they just converted. Cause I think NFL blitz was kind of the only, the closest thing to a gotcha. jam thing. So I think they just kind of transitioned it since it works and they do it for social media, for TV shows and movies. And other things. No, I like this. Sh- I, I like the t-shirt and, and Ryan mentioned it earlier. If you come out to the show on Friday at resurgence, you can, you can win one of those. We're still, kind of thinking about how we're going to do the contest, whatever that's going to be. But I know a lot of people are excited about it. But speaking of excitement in this in this team, chime in on the hype train and how you're dealing with that as, as somebody that obviously is a big fan of the team. But also, like, what are some concerns, if you have any, of this roster? Well, I, I'm relishing the, kind of the, the prominence with this team because, you know, let's look at it. We went, what, 17 years without being close to the playoffs. So it's, you know, it's feast or famine. So if – if you don't like having the, the excitement and the, the hype around the team, I mean, it seems like the alternative is going to back to where we were with the struggle each year. Is like, are we going to be seven and nine? Are we going to be six and 10, eight and eight? You know, so I, I relish it. And I know, that, you know, these days it's a lot more prevalent, like, I don't know, like 10 or 20 fold as far as the different media outlets and different angles that they're looking for with coverage of the team and, eventually it's going to get oversaturated and there may be burnout from national fan base or even just NFL fans. Just like, okay, this is a feel good story, but now we're tired of hearing the same stories. We're tired of seeing the same thing. So you got to kind of toe that line of, of being burned out on them. But I, I'm relishing this because I, I love to see them at the, you know, the forefront of everyone's lists as far as best players, best team, best defense, best front office, best coaching staff. It's great to have it. And, you know, growing up, uh, in the mid to late 80s, you know, as kind of the early stages of my Bills fandom, you know, we had that where they were developing into a good team. And it kind of kind of mirrors what they're doing now. You think in 88, uh, the team went to the NFC, AFC championship game against Cincinnati. Maybe they weren't quite ready, which is kind of how it feels like they were a couple years ago when they lost to Kansas City. Last year, this past season was kind of a heartbreaking loss comparison to the 89 divisional playoff game where was it Ronnie Harmon dropped the pass in the end zone that would have yeah. won the game for the bills or at least put them in the lead. And then you're setting up for this year. So is this year a correlation to kind of what 1990 was for the bills? Um, obviously the difference is a new offensive coordinator this year. I think March Broda was in his position with the bills for a couple of years at that point, or it was his second year. So for me, the biggest concern is seeing how that offense gets going and, and do they skip a beat? And if they do, is the talent enough to kind of overcome maybe some of the learning curve that uh, Ken Dorsey has, which I think they have enough talent to do that, to help him kind of develop Uh, defense feels pretty good. Special teams 
is good. You know, the, the 13 seconds thing that's, you know, just kind of dirt on your shoulder, just kind of dust it off and let's focus on this year like the team is, I think. So. I think that's a great way to look at it. And, you know, going back to the Super Bowl or bust thing one more time, I, I feel like there's always a handful of teams year in, year out. It's, it's Super Bowl or bust. It's been the Green Bay Packers. It's been the Kansas City Chiefs lately. It's been whatever team Tom Brady has been on, whether it's the Patriots, uh, whether it's Tampa Bay. And, and, you know, minus Brady and the success that he's had, you see how difficult it is to actually finish the job. Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl title to his name. Patrick Mahomes has one to his name. Um, So I, I get that the odds are more likely than not going to end in disappointment. But the fact that the Bills are being talked about as the Super Bowl favorite, the fact that they have all this talent should make fans really excited compared to where they were not that long ago where, you know, uh, I know a lot of fans that were really excited when Kyle Orton took over as quarterback because that was like one of the best quarterbacks they had had over that drought era. And that kind of tells you everything you need to know about how bad some of those Bills teams were over the drought years. I was just going to say, I, and that kind of goes back to the, the front office of drafting and getting us the solid players where we're not have to scramble to find maybe a guy that was had his foot half out the door as far as retirement, like Kyle Orton was, or finding, you know, a journeyman quarterback to kind of get us through a few games, like what Derek Anderson did a few years ago. And yes, I had tickets to the Colts Bills game in Indy where Derek Anderson was the quarterback. So I know what that pain is. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm relishing it. If you told me that the Bills were going to lose in the AFC championship game this year, I think immediately in the moment in the coming, the days after that, I'd be probably upset and just really disappointed but as we move further and further away from it, I'd probably be a little bit more accepting. It feels like they're still you know, at the top of it. Do we want them to win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. But the fact is they're competing for the conference championship, uh, maybe advancing to the Super Bowl. That's, I kind of think, what we all want and kind of that s- sustained success if we can get it. Obviously, New England is kind of the blueprint to have that elongated success. So, you know, we've got a ways to go with that. I think for me, too, it's like you you take the – Going into training camp last year, and what was the main concern if you were a Bills fan? It was like, okay, was Josh Allen's 2020 like a one-year wonder kind of situation? Is this going to be something that's sustainable? Do we, do you have your quarterback of the future? And obviously he goes out and it was a little bit up and down there for a little while, but I think definitively in 2021, he answered all those questions on the biggest stage and the biggest games he played his best football. And I think you're confident in that going into the season. Like no matter what happens with Ken Dorsey, no matter how like all these pieces have to fit together. I think that if you're a bills fan, the confidence meter is probably at the highest with Allen, which is almost like the most important one, right? Like, you know, the, the Sean McDermott confidence meter talk about that a little bit. And, and maybe that's, you know, kind of charted down a little bit over the course of the last few months. but when it comes to Josh Allen, I mean, the confidence level is probably the highest that it's been since Jim Kelly in his prime days for a quarterback in Buffalo. My initial thought, as you're talking about with, with uh, Coach McDermott, is the 85 Bears. Now, I would say that Mike Dick is probably not the greatest coach or one of the top maybe five or ten, but they had the talent to overcome or to you know kind of pick up and, and, and be better than the coach. So if there's a concern with the coach, I think the talent on both sides – all three phases, if you will, is enough that this team can compete at this highest level in, in spite of if there's any concerns with any you know, slip-ups or mistakes maybe the coaching staff would make. But I have the highest confidence in them uh, myself, so I'm not concerned about them at this point. Looking ahead to this season, right? Like training camp's going to kick off on Sunday. What's like your, as a, as a Bills fan, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you as a, as a Bills fan, but w- what's your kind of yearly... I don't know, engagement meter. Where does it read right now? Do you do you go through ebbs and flows? Do you hit like a lull in July where you're like, eh, as soon as training camp hits, I'll kind of get dialed back up again? Or are you at like 100, 365? Like, how does it work for you as a fan? Well, I think for me, it kind of ebbs and flows. I mean, they're always going to be my favorite team, even though I was born and raised in central Illinois. I'm a Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals fan, St. Louis Blues fan, et cetera. The Bills since roughly 1986 have been it for me, but I, I don't feel like I engross myself enough in it, especially during this kind of downtime of the off season where I have to know every single thing that's going on. Sure. I'm reading articles and stuff and learning about how things could project as far as maybe the roster or maybe the starting players. Uh, obviously we're not going to get a lot of information on changes to the schematics on 
offense or defense and stuff. But, you know, you kind of watch to see what happens with the free agency and if there's any moves made there and obviously watch the draft to see where they kind of fill in the holes. But then it's kind of that downtime. And, you know, I took the time to, to go to va- on vacation. But as we're kind of winding into camp, I'll keep an eye on things. But for me, I think the main thing at this point with this team is just the health of the players. Because, again, I believe they have the talent. Uh, I believe the schemes are good, if not great. You know, that's debatable. But I think they have the ability to be champions. So it's just a matter of staying healthy and kind of seeing maybe what the younger guys, because uh, the rookie minicamp, I think, or the rookie camp started today. They reported for camp. So just to see how they develop and how they kind of fit in and become a good part of the team. Yeah, rookie camp did uh, start today, actually. Uh, and I actually got a couple DMs about, oh, is, is coverage going to start this week today since rookies are there? No, we don't. The first practice that we'll, we'll have access to is until Sunday. Yeah. So, you know, one quick thing you've mentioned it a few times, the talent overcoming the coaching and, and things of that nature. I love that that talking point. The good thing for the Bills, especially on the offensive side of the ball, when you, where you have the new offensive coordinator and Ken Doris, who's been here for a few years few years as quarterbacks coach is you're not dependent on any young players to necessarily have to emerge this year. You obviously have Josh Allen at quarterback. You have Devin Singletary who came on strong at the end of the year, Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Dawson Knox, all guys that have been in the system have been in this offense for quite a few years. Isaiah McKenzie has been here longer than anyone else. So yeah, you do have some new pieces. You do have some young guys on this roster, James Cook on offense, Kyrie Elam on defense. But there's just so much veteran talent that it's going to help these guys get acclimated into the system. And that continuity is what can help if there are coaching issues, if there are any other kind of issues uh, off on, on or off the field or anything like that. Now, Mike, uh, going through some of the things you sent us, I know you said the interest ebbs and flows. Uh, but today, the, the social media age is Twitter the go-to. Is it Reddit? Do you still love going to the message boards? What is your personal way to keep up to date on the news? Well, currently for me, it is it is through Twitter uh, as far as social media. At one point, I, I did uh, I was heavily engrossed in uh, the two bills drive dot com, um, the message board, because, you did you know, this is obviously pre Twitter, which was about, you know, before 2009. So you really didn't have any type of live real time being able to follow instead of hitting the refresh button to see if Mario Williams is still in Buffalo to sign with the team or not. So that's kind of the way it goes. I mean, growing up in central Illinois, you didn't have a whole lot of options. So we li- we actually lived outside this, the city. So we didn't have cable TV for several years until I was in like junior high. So following the bills, it's mostly watching the Sunday games. We didn't get the Sunday night game because we didn't have cable. We didn't have TNT didn't have ESPN, um, Monday Night Football maybe, and just kind of gleaning a little bit of information just following uh, about the team. So you hear about the bickering bills in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, but then that kind of seemed to dissipate. But then out here, you just didn't really hear a lot uh, a lot of drama or any issues with the team other than just, you know, obviously their success and maybe they like to have a good time after the game because it was a way to build camaraderie and stuff. But uh, so throughout the years, it's just kind of, finding different ways but uh other websites like reddit and things like that that's that's just not where i'm focused at i just like the more what i consider real-time stuff with social media and following you guys because you guys give great content of course so i think um it's funny i think about it if i was still a fan how i would i'd have to take myself back before i I started covering professional sports in general to really imagine it because even when i was with the ufc i'd still consider myself a bills fan at that point And I didn't really like, I definitely had a lot of ebbs and flows with it. And, you know, when you're covering a sport that doesn't have an off season, it's a lot. And so to then have a fan hood in pro sports, it just wasn't the same. So I wasn't like truly a fan fan. Like when I was at my most hardcore, when social media existed. So I think it just at the beginning of Twitter, is probably like the last time. And I was just graduating from, from school and, and starting to be a journalist. So um, I would have loved to live in this age to kind of like get my hot takes out there and like <laughs> go at it with people. But it's funny. I don't know how much I would have loved Reddit. Like I, respect to those that do. Like it's not it's not like a knock on that uh, on it at all. But I don't know. Sometimes I think that there's a little bit of a nasty tone. Not that there's not a nasty tone on Twitter. So I don't know what I'm what I'm really saying there. But sometimes I feel like there's a really pointed nasty tone on on Reddit. Sometimes in 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 specific circles on specific posts. Maybe that's just me misreading. I don't know. 
one part of the thing with social media is there's no sarcasm font. So you can't tell when someone's right. being straight serious or if they're just fooling around, just trying to get a rile out of people. So that, that's a bit of the challenge too. So uh, a lot of the stuff I see come and go, I just, obviously I have my information tied to my Twitter account, so I can't sit out there and make, I, I'm not going to make like some crazy goofy posts, you know, in the heat of the moment, I'll, I'll, you know, tweet about the bills during a game where it's just general frustration. And I think in general, maybe one or two of the tweets I deleted like later, just because it was just the heat of the moment when I felt dumb about it, looking back on it. But, you know, it's a part of the fandom and we're just, you know, we're kind of trying to connect to a team that, well, at least me, you know, they're about what, 11 or 12 hours drive from me. And, you know, we've got people all over the country and all over the world just trying to be connected to them. So, Oh, maybe there's people that are trying to get their their couple minutes of fame by saying something or, you know, getting us a, a quick 10 second video of someone doing something silly. Who knows? Yeah, that's that's certainly out there on social media with with the viral videos. And it, it is interesting to compare growing up to what it is now, where uh, when you were a kid, if it was a primetime game, and you were sent to bed before it was over. You could turn on ESPN and you would hope that you would catch it at the right time to catch the highlights or you'd have to go to the newspaper and actually check the box score and, and things like that for different sports where now you type in Bill's opponent whatever the opponent's name is and, and you'll get the score you'll get all everything you need right then and there within seconds so uh the people in this day and age are certainly spoiled when it comes to the coverage and how everything is so uh is right there at their fingertips so to speak people don't realize those of us in the kind of the early 90s lived and died by nfl primetime when we had espn yeah. because nfl you know, primetime <laughs> But see, growing up here in Central Illinois, you had Colts games. You had you definitely had the Bears games. It was a rare occasion if you had a Bills game. So it was like national TV or is an uber important game. Like, for example, the comeback game, we had that here. It wasn't blacked out like it was in most of the parts of Western New York and Buffalo. So I got to watch that entire game. But getting to see the full highlights, you know, Chris Berman and Tom Jackson and, and later – uh, some of the other people that joined in, that was like the highlight of our day, literally and figuratively, because we didn't have any way to see them except for maybe one or two highlights at halftime or if you caught like a post game. But mostly you're looking for that second game to watch anyway. So you're not really sticking with an initial broadcast and watching you know, the post game highlights. So, you know, as it's developed, you can get highlights pretty much within uh, a minute or two of, you know, whether it's a Josh Allen pass to Dawson Knox or, um, some nice tackle or something, you can get it practically instantly instead of waiting until 7 p.m. Eastern time for the first set of early games on primetime. You go back to the 80s with the Bills, right? You said? Yeah. I'd like to think of my kind of story as probably when I was like about six or seven years old. I remember either listening to a game or, or catching it on TV and just remembering that the announcer was talking about like the red, white, and blue uniforms because this is when they just started with the red helmets. So it's probably 84, 85. Uh, so it was early on with the red hel- the red helmets. And then uh, I, I kind of liken my fandom to um, the first game that Jim Kelly won for him. Uh, it was September 21st, 1986. And the reason why I remember that is because we had that game on locally out of St. Louis, Missouri on the CBS. And that was also my ninth birthday. So I was like, this is great. And they, they won the game. They beat the Cardinals 17 to 10 when the Cardinals were still in St. Louis. And so it's kind of, developed from then so i would say going on what like 36 ish years as a bills fan and there's a few of us lurking around here in this in springfield but not a lot Uh, my mom is here and she took me to my first few bills games we went over to indianapolis because it was like a three-hour drive so there was like a sunday night game in in 91 i think that we went to was the height of the super bowl teams and they they pulled the starters at halftime or after the third quarter because they had such a big lead on indy that they didn't need to uh, getting anyone hurt that late in the season. So been to Indianapolis a bunch of times, Green Bay twice, uh, been up to Buffalo three times. The last one was last September. So I got to take the selfie with your guys' uh, billboard and, and had a awesome. great time so far. So. so is there a Bills backers of Central Illinois or no? I don't know of one. The closest one that I, I'm aware of is the one that's in Chicago. And I think that I can't remember if they're still downtown there was like a one or two bars downtown, I think. Uh, but I, I haven't been to one of them. I was actually at a backers bar that was in St. Louis, Missouri for that, uh, the Patriots Bills game in 2011, the Ryan Fitzpatrick, bring them back to uh, beat Brady and the, 
the Patriots, but I couldn't even tell you if they still have that uh, location open. So it's been what, 10 or 11 years since that game. Now, you know, I know you said there's not a lot of Bills fans around where you're living, but they, they do say Bills fans are everywhere. You were just on vacation. How about speaking on uh, running in any Bills fans while you were out and about? Where did you go? Did you see any Bills fans? And uh, how did that go about? So last month, late last month, we had a we'd planned a trip. It's been about two years in the making. We ended up taking our family of four and then three of our friends to uh, on a Greek Isles cruise. So we flew into Italy from Chicago and then spent three days in Italy and then a cruise for eight days. Um, so leading up to that, I said, I've got to get a little bit of, you know, kind of a scouting report and figure out what's the best things to do, what to watch out for. So I reached out to the Bills backers in Italy. And I think they're what, is it at Bills Italy for their Twitter handle? I can't remember. Uh, and they said, well, we're up in, I think they're the ones either up in Venice or they're in a different part of Italy. They're not near Rome. So they said, get in touch with this other guy. Um, his name is Christian and it's at Christian go bill B I L one. I think it is. So him and I for several months actually were in conversation about, Hey, what should we do? You know, what's, what's good to do? How should we get from Rome to Florence, et cetera. And we just were chatting back and forth about our bills fandom. You know, he doesn't speak a lot of English. I don't speak any Italian. So luckily there's a thing called Google translate. So I was able to basically take his DMS from to me and then kind of convert them. And then I would try to, you know, reciprocate as far as either putting it in proper English, not slang. So it made it easier for him to understand. So we ended up uh, catching up together. Um, I said, we need to find a time to meet up. He said, absolutely. I said, I thought to myself, because he'd mentioned that they don't have a lot of bills and NFL stores, obviously not a lot of bills apparel in Italy. And he was trying to figure out a way to get some. I said, what if I took a few of my things that I have that don't fit me anymore and I'll just bring them to you? Cause I had a few things that actually fit, you know, according to what he was telling me his size was. I said, I have an old replica Thurman Thomas Jersey that I got like in the mid nineties, you know, one of those ones you get from like uh, a department store or from like a sporting goods store or whatever. So I, I packed that up. I showed him some pictures. I was like, what do you think of that? And he was just over the moon excited. And I said, well, here, I've got a, I've got an old hat that I don't, I don't have. And then, when I was in Buffalo last fall for the, the Washington game, they had like whatever that is, that like garage sale on the, the field. Mm-hmm. So I we went there and they had like packs of like the team issued socks, you know, that basically go up to your, your hips practically. They're so tall. So they had a 10 pack of them. I said, I, I should send them a, a pack of those socks. So I, well, I took a pair and made sure that they were matching. Cause the nice thing is the team puts an L for the left sock and an R for the right sock. So I paired those up. So I took them three or four things and we met like, the morning before we were supposed to go on our cruise. Um, and so we just kind of met and he brought his wife with him and, and we try to have a communication, but they're just as hyped over there in Italy as we are. You know, they, they check out the games. Um, the backers Christian does too. And they, there were some pictures floating around today of those guys over at the Roman Coliseum, but I try to wear my bills hat when I was there too. Uh, and then on the cruise ship, there was actually like a husband and wife and I didn't get a chance to speak to them at, at length. But she had like the, the Zubaz print swimsuit that she was wearing. And he had like the, the, the Bill's swim trunks. I was like, those are my guys. And I kept trying to put on like a Bill's hat or wear like one of my Bill's shirts when I would catch them around the ship and stuff. But uh, shout out to those guys. Didn't get a chance to chat with them too much. But then, you know, we were getting shout outs, go Bill's when we were in different, uh, different parts, venues on the ship. And then, of course, there was that one kid. It was like a 10-year-old kid. I had on a Bill's shirt. And he walks past me and he yells out, go Chargers. I'm like. More power to you, man. But uh, I don't think they made the playoffs <laughs> last year. But I got I got no hate, only love for the Chargers. But uh, you tell me about the Patriots because there's a couple of Patriots fans on there. I just tried to avoid them. But uh, Bills fans are everywhere with the, with the prevalence of social media and just being able to access the team. You know, they're seven hours, six hours from the Eastern time zone, six hours ahead. So the games are in the middle of the night, but they, they're just as staunch of supporters for the team and they love the team just as much as we do. So it was a pleasure to meet those guys and kind of see some of them and interact with them. So it was awesome. Speaking of uh, interacting, you can join uh, Value Home Center's loyalty program. It's called Best Rewards, and you can interact with that every time you shop at Value Home Centers, uh, where customers earn points for pur- purchases every day uh, that will bring you more savings. Veterans and active military earn double points on every purchase every day. So that's a pretty cool setup they got going on over at Value. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, let's move on. Floor's yours. You know, ask us anything you want because you had a couple of different topics that you wanted to uh Go in here on your outline. You provided a very in-depth outline, very professional. <laughs> well, I, I used to work in TV news myself. I, I, technically, I still work in TV because I'm a television director, producer, but I'm on the, I'm at a university, so it's more kind of a laid back. It's not like we're on a much of a deadline like TV news is. But um, I just was curious with both of you guys how you know this is the first year in what since 2019 that you've had access to the team at training camp or in a training mm-hmm. camp. Uh, situation. So uh, I would assume that you guys are looking forward to being able to be out there or to have some good content coming out of there and maybe to be able to kind of dig and find some good stories to tell and to share with some of the readers and stuff of some of the players or maybe even kind of the area being glad to have the training camp back and all the kind of the traffic for people and maybe help the economy. You know, when I grew up, obviously, it was at Fredonia and, and things like that. So when I was a fan, it was great to go there and make, make the drive. And, and it, it was always a very family-friendly atmosphere, the, the autograph signings after practices. And you still see that today. The players are really good about that. They usually have a few players in the tents. Uh, but from from the media perspective, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for Matt, but I think he's gonna, going to pretty much say this is going to be great for the first time in, in years that – you're going to have access to these players one-on-one after practices are coming off the field again. Um, whereas we were in this uh, Zoom craze for the last few years where you might have a really good question, but everyone heard the question, everyone heard the answer. And then you go on it, you know, throughout the, over the course of two to three weeks and the same headlines out there multiple times, if there was something that was catchy where now you can kind of go aside and you can work on a long form piece. You can, uh, you can have that work that's going to stand out because it, it's something different than what uh, everyone else is hearing at the same time. So the, the dynamic that's important to understand from a fan's perspective, like taking you into the locker room or player interactions is the difference between a zoom interview and an in-person, like um, even like a press um media scrum it's it's vast like first of all when you do a zoom interview everybody has to like kind of raise their hand and then you get one question maybe two if you ask for two right so there's not really a chance to follow up like if there's if if you're kind of going in a diff, in a good direction and you're starting to get somebody a player to talk about something that you know would, would make a good story you're kind of you know you got to rely on your peers to kind of follow that train down because you're probably not going to get back in in the time that that Zoom is happening. Whereas in a media scrum, it's a much more up-tempo, competitive, conversational situation to where a lot of people that talk on these Zooms that ask questions, and it's no offense to any of them, everybody's got a story that they're trying to work on. So if everybody's kind of going in that dire- their own direction, you could have 20 different directions on a Zoom call, whereas opposed to if you're if you're kind of fighting for a story that you like with a guy, with a guy in the locker room, a, you could probably approach it in the media scrum or B after the the scrum's over, you can kind of grab them off to the side and follow up with a couple other questions to get your story. So from that perspective, having that, that availability back just in and of itself, local reporters struggle to break stories. You know, I've broken a couple since being on the beat the last couple of years, but all of the relationships that I've built, outside of like scouting combine trips and stuff like that, where you build sources is, you know, in the locker room with players. And so to have that back and, you know, a lot of those relationships blossom at training camp when you get to be around them in a much less serious setting. And a lot of times you're just half the time I might be talking to players that it's not even for a specific story. It's just to get to know them better for maybe a story down the line. Cause right now during training camp, like, you know, you, you listen to our shows, it's very, you know, I won't be doing a ton of features during training camp because it's all about the day-to-day observational coverage of what this team is going to look like when we get to the start of the season. And then we kind of transition to 
you know, I like to do a lot more of those in season. And so a lot of those relationships, a lot of the, the ideas that come for those stories, they're built in training camp when the recorder's not even on. And so it's a little peek behind. I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah. And I think this is a good opportunity with obviously two or three years of either, you know, new acquisitions or draft picks, being able to kind of establish yourself, that working relationship with them and to build that trust and then to be able to hopefully mine some good content out of them as far as, you know, telling their story. Maybe there's more to their background or their life or their maybe a different way that they play that's being developed that really hasn't been, you know, touched on in the in the environment of a Zoom call and things like that. So as you build mm-hmm. that trust with them, you'll have that opportunity to develop that and kind of shine a light on those players or maybe it's a it's a member of the coaching staff too. So now do you normally stay on campus during the yes. training camp? Okay, so it's asked me, that a lot. So tell me some of the things that you actually enjoy about it because I'm not sure sitting in a dorm for however long that is, you know, having to run back to the dorm feels like you're going back to college of sorts, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually when I was in college, I did not dorm. So I never really got the experience until I started um, covering the pills, but I, I've really grown to enjoy it. Like the bed situation isn't great, but you know, I, I, I'm, I like to consider myself still young ish, even though I'm about to turn 40. So I, I could, I could handle it for like a couple nights here and there. But I like, first of all, the camaraderie of the beat. Like we have a really close, you know, uh, group. And I think getting a chance to be around them and, you know, share conversations about the profession, about the team and different things like that. I I enjoy that. Um, I also enjoy like covering an NFL beat. Like you don't really have like a home office, right? Like I'm not working out of Syracuse.com. And to be honest with you, Buffalo news folks, they're not working out of like Buffalo one news plaza down there downtown. Like, you know, a lot of those folks don't even ever go down there. You're working out of the stadium or your house. And this three week period of training camp, it really gives you like a home base where it's like, it's all happening in one spot. It makes the job so much more easier. Now I have two young kids also. So like when I come home, it's, you know, they see daddy, it, it doesn't matter if there's still work that needs to be done. So that dynamic of it too. I just feel like it's a really good way to get to know the team, do a lot of good work over three weeks and kind of set yourself up to get like kind of running downhill once the, uh, the game start. And I'm guessing there's going to be a bit of a challenge since it's been, you know, since about 2019 for the the family back home is like, well, where's dad? Why, why isn't he coming home? Well, things have changed. Things are kind of getting it back to a little bit more normal. And I'm, I'm guessing that you'll probably get a little bit homesick for them. And then they'll be like, yes. we're ready to hang out and just, you know, have fun and just pile on dad or just go out for like ice cream or, well, as I learned in Italy, gelato is the way to go myself. So I got to have more gelato. I'm Whenever I see a gelato stand, we were just in New York city and we kept, we were in little Italy and there was a ton of gelato stands. And I was like, eh, let's, let's keep going. And we'll, we'll, we'll go a couple streets avenues over. We'll find like an ice cream spot, but I feel like gelato is, should be, I should be more like comfortable getting gelato. It's like, I'm telling you, it's like every other city block in, in well, we, we walked the streets of Rome and we also walked up in Florence as well. And it feels like every other block, there's a, a gelato stand, there's a, a pizza place, you know, you can't really go wrong. But I think for us, we found the best gelato was outside. I think it's the Florence Cathedral. So we, we grabbed some, we sat down one afternoon and had some refreshing gelato, just a small amount, just enough, a few euros a piece. And it was perfect. So. Our good buddy uh, Scott Moranto is asking if we're, if we're put up in Founders. I'm not sure which one that is, but I think the name of our dorm is Dorsey Hall. If I'm if I'm looking at it correctly, oh, the just, Ken Dorsey Hall, right? Yeah, exactly. Fitting, yeah, 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 fitting, yeah, very fitting. You know, I, I guess the season outlook, the writing, the ups and the downs, uh, mm-hmm. winning some you should win, some you should lose, lose some you should win, and you know, Mike, I'll let you speak on that uh, because, again, this is this is your show. But I think last year you, you saw that there were some games that the Bills did not show up for that they should have won, that the week one against Pittsburgh-Jacksonville game. Um, but it, it all kind of catches up over the course of the season. Is that kind of what you were getting at with that talking point? Yeah, you would think that most good teams, you know, they'll, they'll kind of course correct where, you know, I think the quote was from Dick Vermeil, hey, we won some, we should have lost. We also lost some, we should have won but we're right where we're at. So for me, you know, I would love for the team to go, you know, 14 and three on the season and just run away the division. That may not be the case. You must listen to Shaw because that's what Ryan predicted. (laughs) 
so, you know, the teams, teams around them obviously know that they need to improve and they're trying to improve, you know, whether that's, you know, actually happening is, you know, one difference is on paper to what actually happens on the field. So we'll see, you know, I, I'm perfectly comfortable with 10 and seven, a playoff spot, you know, and, you know, it's kind of a step back if you say, you know, I'm happy with a wild card, but I just want the team in the playoffs because I think that if they're healthy enough, you know, they're going to do some damage in the playoffs. We saw what they did to to New England. What was that? 47, 17 without having to give the ball up. Every time they had an offense, they scored. You know, they gave a good scare to Kansas City. I think Kansas City's kind of on the uh, downward a little bit right now until they prove me otherwise. Because I think Cincinnati had their number in the conference championship, obviously. And I think maybe that there's a, a little bit of a blueprint on, on how to beat them. Maybe the Bills kind of picked up on something in that regular season matchup with Kansas City. So for the Bills, it's a matter of just keeping yourselves fresh as far as, you know, not giving everyone the same old look and give them a chance to, you know, figure out the strategy and how to beat you. So maybe that's running the ball more with, with cook, with Singletary, maybe with Moss or whoever, or maybe it's something more with the tight ends with, with uh, Knox and with um, Howard, who knows. But um, again, it just gets back to just making sure the guys are healthy. Like I take the baseball uh, example in 2006, the Cardinals, I think they went like 83 and 78. They barely made the playoffs. They should have been beaten by the Mets in the league championship series because the Mets had a better record. The problem was the Cardinals were injured for most of the season and they started getting their good players back towards the end of the season, getting them healthy, get them in the lineup. And then when it was time for the playoffs, you know, everything kind of levels out. You had the pitching and, you know, it led them to the world series and they beat the Tigers in five games. So for me, it's just, it gets back to just being healthy because Honestly, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Case Keenum, you know, leading the team in the playoffs. I mean, he's he's a great backup, but obviously you'd rather have Josh Allen behind the helm if he's healthy. So it's just a matter of just keeping everyone healthy and just being ready to go and next man up, I suppose, when it's when it's time. Ryan uh, Talbot set uh, Bill's Mafia ablaze this weekend with a uh, <laughs> the next wide receiver that they're going to sign. What was that about? Yeah, the old Odell Beckham Jr. story. So there was a fake Bleacher Report account on Twitter that said, you know, they had the graphic and everything. Bill signed Odell Beckham Jr. And it was convincing enough that Beckham Jr. joked that when he woke up, he was wondering how much he had signed for and he gave a shout out to Von Miller. And yeah, needless to say, a lot of Bill's fans were kind of talking about that over the, the last uh, few days. I, I wouldn't say a 50-50 split in terms of how they, they feel about him. I, I was a little surprised at how many people are adamant that they don't need another receiver because, you know, like Mike said, injuries happen. Uh, it, it's important to field your best roster. We've talked about a lot of uh, uncertainty with the outside depth at receiver. So if something were to happen and he's healthy, I don't know why you wouldn't go after a, a guy like that in season out. If they stay healthy, that's a whole nother matter, but yeah, that, that was definitely something that had some fans talking this weekend. Matt. I think it's a matter of the players um, kind of knowing the situation when they come in, because I'm, I'm guessing Beckham wouldn't come in. In theory, if he were to come in, he probably wouldn't be – really, he's not going to be the number two guy, because I think that's Gabe Davis. And it's become the third guy, the slot guy, the fourth guy, who knows. But uh, it would be fun, and it would be great conversation if he actually did draw interest, and maybe they brought him in early in the season. So we'll see how that happens. The biggest problem with Odell for any team that's that's looking to sign him is I don't know if he'll be any like version of himself this upcoming season coming off of that injury again. So like when will he be ready to help you? How long will it take him to get back? Like in a lot of ways like he's kind of trending in the same direction as Clay Thompson for the Golden State Warriors where he came back and he actually like had a couple of good games but he didn't look anything like the Clay Thomas of old. And I just think that even, you know, Beckham got back to a point in the Super Bowl where he was playing like, you know, old Odell, like the guy that everybody remembered. And then to have that injury happen again, you, you hate it for the player. I think I'm more opposed to the idea just because of when is he going to be ready? How much are you paying him for maybe half a season? And what if the bills kind of get things going? It's not a horrible idea to get a guy in the roster that can be a just-in-case situation, but I don't know if he's going to be able to play at a high level if there is a situation that pops up for the just-in-case. And it's kind of a matter of picking up the offense, too, because 
correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was a, one of the players that said it seems like it's mm-hmm. been a bit of a challenge. Maybe that was the, uh, Keenum or somebody that said they were still learning. Sanders said it last year. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sanders, yeah. Most so they're still learning. Complex so, offense. so you can't expect a player like a Beckham to come in, let's say week 10 or 11, for example, and just pick it up and be ready to go. There'll be probably like, what, a few a few routes he'll know easily, a few plays, but then it's still going to take a while. And maybe not until the end of the season before he's starting to hit his stride. And that's assuming that he's fully recovered from that knee injury in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's fair. And, you know, the Rams signed him last year after he became available. He had five touchdowns in about half the season, the regular season. But the playoffs is when he turned it up another notch. He was a big reason they were able to come back and beat the 49ers. Uh, in the NFC Championship game, he went over 100 yards receiving in that one. And then the Super Bowl, it was early, but he looked like an MVP candidate with two catches, 52 yards, and a score. And he was just a um, a tear in the slot for them. They, they didn't have any answers, that being Cincinnati. And then he went down with the non-contact injury. And the Rams, they sputtered for a while after that. It took them a, some time to kind of get that offense going later in the game and eventually pull away with a 23-20 win. And the Rams were fortunate because they just had, right when they signed Odell, they had Robert Woods go down with his own knee injury. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of just fortunate. So again, the luck plays into obviously a team getting to the the postseason and winning the championship. So that kind of gets back to my healthy, 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 you know, mentality of just making sure the team's as healthy as possible. Did you guys have any players in your house go down recently? You know, like, you know, maybe some paint chipped off the wall or, you know, broke a tool or, you know, I don't know, like your chair broke or something. One of your outdoor chairs head over to value home centers right now. They have a $10 off $40 purchase coupon in their weekly ad. You can get over at valuehomecenters.com. Also text value to 80692 to join their text program. Uh, you'll receive an additional $10 off a $40 purchase coupon, plus be the first to know about new promotions, deals, and new products. Mike, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much uh, for coming on, for, for doing this show with us. I'm going to, I'm going to hand you the floor here to, to send us out any, any final thoughts, uh, bills or otherwise. Uh, so first of all, I just want to thank you guys for uh, the opportunity. You you didn't have to put up the, the contest last year, but I'm appreciative of that for not just myself, but for the others that were able to win things. I think there was a shout sure. And I think mm-hmm. uh, an evening with wings and some adult beverage or something with you guys. So that was very yes. awesome that you guys to do. I'm actually going to shout out uh, each of your, your family, because obviously you guys have to put in the work to cover the team, whether it's, you know, on the beat or, you know, at home, but you're putting in some serious hours to craft your work and, and to stay on top of things. And, and so we, we definitely appreciate all the, the spouses and the kids and, you know, they may not always understand, but it's it's awesome that, you know, at the end of the day, they can come up and, and say thanks and love you and all that stuff and you get a chance to tuck the kids in the night. That's always awesome. But um, definitely, uh, definitely looking forward to a, a great 2022 season for the Bills. I was hoping to go when the, before the schedule came out. I, I would have loved to have gone to that Bears game, but it's it's New Year's or Christmas Eve. So it's like that's a no go for me. Unfortunately, I, I, I won't be making that drive up, but for those that are going either up to Western New York or going around the country, enjoy it, have fun. Uh, try not to stress. We're going to ride some ups and downs, whether it's 14 and three, whether it's 10 and seven, hopefully nothing lower than 10 and seven, but hopefully, you know, when we get to mid February, that team's making plans to go to Arizona and then back out to maybe have a little parade or something in frigid and chilly, uh, Buffalo, New York. But, um, that might set a record for the most shirtless men, maybe women as well, if there's a Super Bowl parade in February in Buffalo. And, and lots <laughs> in of li- negative temperatures. Lots of liquid courage. And maybe that some of the people have some of that uh, that beverage. I think you guys are teasing for Friday night, right? So yes, maybe they'll pick yes. some of that up and hold on to it. I still got a couple of cans of the Pills Mafia that I picked up when I was up at uh, uh, Western New York and picked it up at Tops. I think it was last. Beautiful. Uh, so. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. I appreciate it. It was an honor. Um, thanks to chat. Thanks to you guys. Go Bills. And let's have fun and and try to enjoy, hopefully, a, a fantastic ride for 2022. Uh, a couple things before we get out of here. Happy 30, 13th uh, anniversary, Mr. Ryan Talbot and his wife, uh, Joelle. That is uh, a lot of... Uh, 
A lot of work yeah. that she's done over the years. It is. She, she's had a tolerance for quite a while. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. And then um, just a quick update before we get out of here. Mike mentioned it. We're going to be at Resurgence Brewery on Friday night. We'll have a couple of guests. Uh, they'll be coming on. Uh, I think uh, some Bill's Mafia, you're going to love it. Uh, at least one of them. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know how to set those up. You know what I mean? They're not all confirmed yet. I know two definites, two almost definites. So we could have four. And how it's going to work is I, we're going to have the two mics there, Ryan and I. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to do the opening segment like we usually do. We'll we'll do a little training camp preview. And then one of us will come off so we can kind of enjoy the, you know, the atmosphere and, you know, spend some time with some fans. And then the guests will come on with one of us and we'll kind of just tag team. We'll go back and forth. And I think that'll be I think it'll be fun that way. So come out Friday night, eight o'clock resurgence. You can get yourself a NFL jam t-shirt. I got a few sent to me from, uh, by homage. Is it homage or is it homage? I always call it the homage with a hard H. Okay. The, That's the shirts, yeah. the shirts are fantastic quality. I've gotten a they few are. different bills related ones last fall. They had a talking proud. So if, if the older bills fans remember that Chuck Knox era, the, the tie into the city of Buffalo, they had the talking proud, uh, theme for the city as a resurgence. So they they printed out a shirt there and I grabbed one and I wore it to the Bills game last year. But they've had quite That's a bit great. of good stuff. There's a sweatshirt and all kinds of stuff. But very comfortable. Go check out these guys at uh, Resurgence and have a good time Friday night with responsibility. Scott Maranto said he's looking forward to it. That usually means a couple adult beverages. So you might want to come out and see uh Scotty boy. He had it he had it really he had the party popping uh at uh Sunny Reds when we did the show there with yeah. Joe Marino in December. All right. Send us out of here, Ryan Talbot. Final thought. Final thought. Stay locked on, uh, locked in here. Bills fans. We will have you covered three more times in the next few days. And then obviously every day after training camp. All right. For Mike Taylor, Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. We'll be right back Wednesday night. See you then. It's going to be fun. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.